Hey, I'm Jordan. That's Lauren. And welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. Welcome to episode four. Hi. Oh, four in a month, basically. We have done a month of setting our asses at watching films. Yay, goals. <laughs> Life goals. Life goals. It's do so nothing. hard. Do nothing. Watch films. <laughs> Twine about the films. It's great. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there might be a little, little bit of that this week. Maybe not. Why would you join about these films? <laughs> We specifically picked this topic because it was nice and easy and happy. It is, it is but it's, it's a, there's the sort of films that I don't haven't watched or, or don't really watch. The magic has left your life, Jordan. I'm old and decrepit. So and Yeah, for, for those people who's new to listening to us, we're a movie podcast. We take a specific topic each week yep. and then Lauren picks a film, I pick a film and then we discuss them. Yes. And so what's the topic this week? The topic this week is favourite classic Disney films. Yay! Animated. Well, yeah, but to me, classic Disney is animated. Okay. Yes. So we had, God, over 80 years worth of films to choose from. Yes. And we ended up choosing... So I picked The Little Mermaid, which I love. And I pick 1973's Robin Hood, the Wolfgang Reitherman movie. So it's a I film. Don't love. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and that's a strange one because I would normally pick a film that I know really well and that I really enjoy. And it's just because Disney's a bit of a, a blank spot with me, apart from the most modern ones. But I, can't, I didn't really want to pick a, a Lion King well, or anything no, like that. No, that's just it. We wanted something older, we yeah. wanted something before. This isn't like the because the stuff like you know like you you've picked Robin Hood, yeah. which is probably a a little known one. But The Little Mermaid came out um, well in the US in nineteen eighty nine. It's yeah. an old thirty years film. Yeah, mm. it's a thir- it's thirty years old yet. It's been remastered and re released and everything, but it's still an old film and it's it's on the list to be remade. It is, and that'll be an interesting thing when they do. I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing this as well is because of the <coughs> slew of Disney remakes, um, well, reimaginings, really, of mm-hmm. live action that they're doing. We went to see Aladdin last week. Oh, I liked it. It was good. I, I did actually quite enjoy it, and, and I, I quite enjoyed the Beauty and the Beast one as well. It's, mm, I like that one as well. It's, it's a beautiful film to, to look at. Yeah, but you, look, you, you always look at like the nice artistic and how the camera's doing this and this is doing this now look at it and go nah I like the cartoon better it's just it's just nicer <laughs> you've got a more childish sort of way about you I was going to say childlike childlike childish that's, to be honest childlike <laughs> is probably a better way of putting it so should we start with The Little Mermaid yay let's start with The Little Mermaid Things are working out according to my ultimate design. Soon I'll have that little mermaid and the ocean will be mine. (laughs) The sea witch. Oh, no. She's gonna... I got it. Ariel! 
so for everybody in the UK, it was released in October 1990. Released the year earlier in America, just a few months earlier. So, Disney's Little Mermaid is based on the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. It is made a lot more palatable because for those of you who know the Hans Christian Andersen um, fairy tales, they tend to be quite graphic. Right. Um, In the original story of this, Ariel has her legs... Um, as she does this, she's turned to a human, but every step she takes is like standing on a thousand blades. Ooh. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not like the nicest film, and it also doesn't have the happy ending that Disney is famous for. The prince ends up marrying somebody else, and for her to stay human, she has to kill the bride. Right. Um, and in the and if she doesn't by sun sunrise, then she turns into sea foam because according to Hans Christian Andersen, mer people don't have souls and they don't go to heaven. It's sort of like the Grimm stories, isn't it? Because the yeah. Grimm stories, when they're written, were a hell of a lot darker than yeah, the adapted them. sort of versions that that we sort of grew up with with his kids. Yeah. So with this, um, she decides to not kill the bride she accepts her fate she falls into the sea expecting to turn into sea foam and the only slight happy ending from it is that because she has chosen to sacrifice herself and go selflessly she does end up going to heaven and she's given the chance to earn to earn her soul by doing 300 years of good deeds and then once she's done that once she's earned the soul then she can go mm. go to heaven whereas the disney version she gets the prince it's all happy yeah there's some songs and some dances and it's all really nice um if anybody hasn't read the original definitely read it it's beautifully written it's a really short story as well so you can get it over and done within like half an hour 20 okay. minutes so it's really good um Ariel is voiced by Jodie Benson. Um, Ursula is voiced by Pat Carroll, and Sebastian the Crab, who is possibly the uh, the one of the most recognisable voices mm. in this whole thing, is voiced by Samuel E. Wright. Apparently, they were going to make Sebastian a like a lord, very right. fancy, and then they wrote the uh, Under the Sea song and decided to make him. Like Jamaican yeah. or Caribbean. It's got a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So it's, it's, a, very, it's a good favourite film. Yeah. And the reason I picked this film is, um, I was talking about this with my girlfriends, when you were little and you're in the bath, you always pretend to be the little mermaid. And when you go swimming, you're the little mermaid and you're splashing about and getting told off for flooding the bathroom normally and (laughs) just causing utter havoc and then you're prancing around and singing because it was when I first saw this this it was an amazing film Um, there was like Cinderella and there was Snow White and those Disney princess films but Ariel just she had a bit more bite to her she's wanting to rebel against her dad She's obsessed with um, the human world and then 
she sees Prince Eric, who I always thought was very strange that he didn't know the um, the legend of King Titan, yet was a sailor. Maybe. Very strange that he doesn't know that. <laughs> um, so yeah, he so she falls in love with him, and in the end, after a huge argument with her dad, she goes to Ursula the Sea Witch, trades her voice um, to become human for three days, and if after the three days she hasn't got true love's first kiss, she turns into a little sea creature, scraggly, a scraggly thing. thing. Little yeah poop thing it's, it's brown it's yeah. in the bottom of the ocean kind of gross looking yeah and um, one of Ursula's pets and she has to stay Boom. there so with this this was actually the, the first film that Pixar worked on right and um, the very one of the very final scenes where the ship is sailing away and it has the rainbow going over it that's what Pixar first did using their new technology. Okay. And if you watch it again and you know this, you kind of see it's it's shot differently. Everything looks a little bit different compared to how the rest of mm. it is um, is made, which I always think is quite nice. When you kind of know that little tidbit and then you know how far Pixar went on. Because I think a lot of people think that um, like Pixar did a lot for The Lion King with the stampede. Mm. And that came obviously after this, so I think a lot of people see Pixar as being that first. Yeah, but this was like a little test. Right? Well, that's it, and this is the last of the Disney um, what's called xenography films. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it wasn't done with computer animated graphics, basically. No. I think that's why I like it. it looks amazing. It, it, it still does look, and what they've done there it does look amazing. We'll, we can get into that with Robin Hood a little bit, but in my eyes, it's for me. It was this is sort of like a exercise because it's not what Little Mermaid does it's sort of what the road it paved for what is I mean it's not really the golden age but the early 90s is possibly the strongest era oh yeah of Disney animated movies so if you think what comes after Little Mermaid I mean what have you got you've got in um, you've got Beauty and the Beast in 91 Aladdin in 92 Lion King in 94 Toy Story in 95 I mean, those are all-time classic yeah. films. Yeah. Um, and it sort of... <clears throat> it brought Disney back in a way of those classic animated movies because it sort of had felt... Of not not the limelight, but everybody still thinks that Disney is this massive, massive successful corporation because it is now. Oh, yeah, but, but it, it wasn't It, it wasn't... It, it did well for itself, but it, it always had to make its money back because it's not like now, nowadays when... They can make a film, and if it doesn't do well, it's not really that much of an issue. Yeah, because they can always sell toys and sell something off yeah. it. But I think as well, from a different perspective, um, before that, Disney princesses were very, oh, I'm going to sing to some birds, mm. I'm going to do this, and we're all... They were a bit blah, yeah, to yeah. be honest. Ariel was the first Disney princess who had a bit of bite to her. So then you got... Ariel, and then you go on, and that leads on to the more modern Disney princesses. Like, well, you have Nala. Yeah. Then you have Princess Tiana. You have Rapunzel. Mulan. You have Mulan. You have Hercules. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's her name? I have no idea. I need to Google it. Because then, but that's just it. She was the first sort of one that you were able to be able to watch, and she wasn't just. She had a bit of bite to her. She wasn't just she wasn't there to... boring. Yeah, she wasn't. The others were love 
lovely and they looked, you know, lovely to look at and they were, you know, lovely to watch. But it was like, oh my God, all I can do is just wait for my prints and that's all I can ever do. And she couldn't do, they couldn't do anything else. But so for a young girl, this was like, I didn't watch anything else. I watched Mm. Disney. Disney were the big films that we all watched at that time. So in a way, it's like an early role model. Yeah. Um, what I did find very interesting about this is the Mer people believe that they are the civilised mm-hmm. uh, society. They don't eat their subjects. They don't eat the fish. Whereas we are the barbarians. We eat the fish and we are cruel and we are nasty. Yeah. And then the only other sort of uh, character who eats the fish who's under the sea is Ursula. So it's like, if you eat meat, you are the evil one. Yeah. I wish I found quite, I found that quite interesting. This point is kind of hammered home more when you, when you see the kitchen, like the kitchen seems really graphic. Yeah. There's like fish heads flying everywhere and guts and everything. And the wonderful stereotype of a French chef. Yes. Which, you know, Disney does. You, you can't be seen as sort of like an anti, like a vegetarian. You can, you can argue that. Yeah. Um, that it could be something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that the prince is the one who is being pressured to get married, whereas normally it's the other way around. That's true. So it's very much a roles reversal in this, um, and because because of the things against like her like king king titan saying you can't love this man you can't do this it has been argued that it can be a metaphor for interracial marriage at the time that's literally what i was going to come and like how see i'm really clever when it comes to disney films (laughs) the thing is it absolutely is as well the way the arguing about it it's absolutely got those undertones especially given the time that it was made Mm -hmm. it definitely has and it's like one of the only reasons well one of my criticisms of the film is that King Titan sort of has a prejudice about people above the surface. We don't really find out why he has that prejudice no. and therefore it might be unfulfilled and therefore have those connotations of people's prejudices just being there because of... But it also could be that he has to watch his subjects being killed and eaten by these people. That is true. Because that's a big thing. It's like they go off and then they eat they eat. You can't go near them because yeah. they're dangerous. Did you notice that Ariel's head was way too big for her body? I had never noticed that before. And then I was like, you have a bobblehead, love. You need a bit of meat on your bones. <laughs> you know, she was, she was so, her head was so big. Also, how is her hair so good? She spent 16 years under the sea with salt water. Okay. Her it's hair. No. Her hair should be a scratty, tatty mess. (laughs) Her hair, my hair after one day in the sea, it's like 20 minutes for Tangle Tea they just tried to get through it after deep conditioning. Hers (laughs) should be just one big dread. It should just be one big dreadlock. The question as well is uh, one of the reasons why I think it did, um, well, it was such a success, was that it sort of brought back the classic Disney villain. Mm -hmm. um, And you, you hadn't really had... A good female villain since when? I mean, 
Snow White with the with the with the witch. And the one she wasn't a stepmother. She wasn't Yay. a stepmother. Um, although it does sort of go into the, it goes into the using the stereotype of ugly is bad. True. Um, which can affect kids' reading of a film. But the, my one takeaway from this film is the fact that it's with credits eighty three minutes long. Yeah. It is ridiculously short, and I mean the third act happens in like a blink of an eye but it's for kids but that's and then that this is this is what i'm going to get on it's the fact that these films were made for kids mm-hmm. and these compared to yours which i which we'll get onto it but yeah, yeah. i don't feel like that was made for a child no. audience it'll be interesting to see how a child of today would approach robin hood but these films were made for children whereas the new these new reimaginings that the reasons why the two hours long is they were made for us well they were, they were made for I think for children but for a complete audience because they've yeah. got to succeed in not only entertaining the kids but entertaining the adults and they've got to have enough there and if you've got a story that really doesn't develop in any way and things happen so quickly then sort of the plot and the characters kind of feel a bit false and a bit rushed. So you say that, but I still feel like the characters and the plot in this were fully developed. You know the Ariel, as soon as you see Scuttle, the seagull, you know that Ariel's obviously got some sort of relationship with him because she's like, we'll go see him. He'll be able to tell us what this is. So, oh, she's done this before. She's obviously friends with this person. When she goes, I'm going to go see the sea witch, everybody's like, oh, no. Don't do that. That's scary. So, therefore, there's enough of a character build-up to know, okay, so these aren't people who are just popping out of the woodwork. They have got... People know about them. It's the same way... Again, because it's for, for, for a child, it's the same way a child probably wouldn't know the full backstory of, say... Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say... Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the Bloody Mary thing? Yeah. When you just say it three times in the mirror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear like little bits of like when you're younger of going, oh, if you go and say this and she'll come out, she'll kill you. You don't know why she will come out and kill you. You just know you don't do it and that she is a bad person. It's the same. They've developed the characters in the same way. And I agree. And these films are made for a child's um, attention span. And it's not, it's not really a criticism. My attention span. <laughs> didn't, look at, didn't look at Instagram once during this film. <laughs> it was great. You, would have, you would, have, would have taken the entire runtime to load up Instagram. <laughs> That's how short this film is. Uh, my phone is not that bad. Okay. <laughs> it's not really a criticism because it does what it's there to do. It's just as an adult viewer, sometimes it just felt like, oh Christ, we're actually going into the third act now. It's, it's actually wrapping up and... I haven't had enough because it is visually stimulating and it's lovely to look at. However, unlike other Disney films, the only recognisable song, and it may just be me because I said I haven't watched this film since I was a child, is Under the Sea. Like, I don't really recognise any other songs. But I think you can have that with all Disney films. Um, If you think about it, there is um, something in every single Disney film where you will recognise a song. If you're just going to sit and you'll watch any Disney film, hmm. you will have a bit where it's like, oh, I know this song. I know this song. But you won't know all of them. Might be a bit different with the, so the 90s ones, like Lion King and things. Because, like, again, it's just maybe because I re-watched Lion King so much as a kid that I, that I know those songs inside and out. Yeah. Um, 
And one of the things is he's got, he does have a really nice voice cast. I mean, does. I think Ursula is the standout because I, I think I love she's, she's just a very, very creepy character. And I mean, the way she's drawn and the way she's animated and how they get those tentacles just to look so brilliant. Two fun facts about Ursula. Okay. One, she's not an octopus because she only has six legs, right. not eight. In fact, most of the octopi only have six legs, not eight. And do you know why she was drawn the way that she looks? Why? Because she's based on Divine. Oh, right, okay. Pink Flamingo. And if you then look at pictures of Divine in Pink Flamingo, and then you look at Ursula, very, very similar. She hasn't quite got the loaf, mm-hmm. because she's under the sea, so the loaf has to move, but she has got the big eyeshadow. All right. The big triangles of eyeshadow, which are the same sort of blue that Divine wears. And they wanted somebody so that way... The adults could recognise like a cult figure, mm-hmm. and that's why they also wanted that voice to go to go with Ursula. Very nice. Um, do you have any any other fun um, facts? Yeah, my other fun fact because I said my Pixar one already um, was that when the when all the sailors are having a bit dance on the ship, Prince Eric's ship near the start when. Uh, Ariel goes up and watches them. Many of those sailors are actually caricatures of people of the staff who worked on The Little okay. Mermaid. So these are the ones when you're watching it who are dancing just before all the fireworks start going off. And again, if you look at it, if you look at the first scene when he's on the ship, the sailors are like all gap-toothed and haggard and a bit mm. meh, obviously being on the sea for a long time. These ones are really nice-looking sailors. They've got nice smooth skin good beards they obviously well looked after and that's because they are people who worked on the little mermaid oh right you know that yeah there you so go there, you've had all my little fun facts but i think it's a good good film the only problem is that when you get older and ariel starts going on about how she loves a guy you're like sit down child you are 16 yeah you've you've seen the guy for what five minutes and you're in love with him same with all disney though it's all love at first sight in Disney. It is, and they just need a bit of a slap sometimes. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, it's too emotional. Um, should we move on to mine? Yes, mm. we shall move on to Robin Hood. You know something, Robin? You're taking too many chances. Chances? You must be joking. That was just a bit of a lark, little John. Yeah? Take a look at your hat. That's not a candle on a cake. Hello. This one almost had my name on it, didn't it? They're getting better, you know. You've got to admit it. They are getting better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next time that sheriff will probably have a rope around our necks. <sighs> Pretty hard to laugh hanging there, Rob. <laughs> the sheriff and his whole posse couldn't lift you off the ground. Robin Hood, 1973's Robin Hood. Wasn't that the year that you were born? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's a Wolfgang Reithman movie who directed The Jungle Book um, about six years prior to that. So he's a, it was a Disney sort of stalwart. Mm-hmm. He's done it before. And it tells the story of Robin Hood, um, who is a, played by a fox. And yeah, that's the sort of selling point of the film, is that they are all animals. Yeah. Robin Hood's a fox, Little John's a bear, the Sheriff of Nottingham's a wolf, and Prince John is a lion. Yeah. And if, unlike most Disney films as well, it's like they are anatomically correct as well 
So the ants. How, how close were you looking? <laughs> so, so they actually look like the animals. Oh yeah. And um, they aren't sort of cartooned up or anything like that. No. And it's the, like a furry's first dream. It is. Oh god. <laughs> Put an image in my head. Trying to go through the story is quite hard because there kind of really isn't a story with it. They also um, try to kind of bastardise the backstory. Well, that's it. And but to be honest, it's it's a bit of a hodgepodge of a film because, I mean, good to go into the, the, the background of it is that um, Ken Anderson, who's one of the creatives at Disney, wanted to do a Robin Hood, mm-hmm. but they wanted to, to sort of make it in the the vein of Song of the South or Songs of the South which was a 1946 film which is actually sort of one of the ones that is not banned but it's locked away in the vaults of Why? Disney it's because well it's the song with zippity doo da zippity day which I mean won an Oscar actually that song mm-hmm. and it's because it's kind of a racist film a way it depicts black people because it takes place in Georgia in the 1800s and doesn't mention slavery once so it's sort of one of the Black splodges of Disney, mm-hmm. and yet, and they wanted to remake a story. And let me—I'm just going to bring something up on my phone and read you something. Okay. Okay. Does this jog your memory? So there was a classic character in folklore called Reynard the Fox. So Reynard the Fox was summoned to the court of cruel lion King Leo, who answers whose charges are brought to him by a Insan Grim, which is the wolf. Mm-hmm. And it goes on sort of like how he has to murder some rabbits. But they wanted to make a Reynard movie. However, they that thought... sounds really complicated. But they, 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 want, they didn't think Reynard was a big enough pull of a character. So they made Robin Hood, in like just adapted the story into this English folklore. Okay. It's a bit of a messy story to start off with. And I think that sort of blends into the film of how it was made. Because you've got an English story that's t- like a Western. I mean, it starts off like a Western and carries on. You've got loads of sort of Southern American twangs in the film. I counted how many English people there were in the film. Right, oh, how many? There was six English accents yeah. and one Scottish. Which, to be honest, I don't, I don't really mind. Because I do, they're telling a story that's meant to be set in England. And they can't even be bothered to you know get dick van dyke's bad english accent in there come on see so, yeah, so i think it adds a little bit of character to it and having that those sort of um ideals of that southern bit of it, it i think it adds a little bit of character but i get what you mean the fact that it's telling a british story so I have british characters <clears throat> and one thing's that i mean we're talking about how the kids of the day probably wouldn't really get be entertained by it and no. I don't think they would it's it is very laxadaisical with its storytelling it's I mean it doesn't unlike where I mean this is again I think it, it's again it's 83 minutes long with um, it felt a lot longer it felt a lot longer than Little Mermaid because it, it, it's sort of these sort of single scenes that happen and they don't really blend into one another no and it's a bit of a strange one. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy it. I think it has a hell of a lot of charm. And a lot of that comes, I think, from the xenography of it. I mean, the yeah. way it's made. Because unlike Little Mermaid, where you were getting to the, to the sort of where they had really, really got to grips with that sort of style of filmmaking, that style of animation. 
Yeah, it was like at the end of its life of that. Yeah, so they, they, they got it down to a T where this one, you can still see the pencil marks and like it feels like you can still have that. You, you've got the image of the artist scribbling away and erasing mm-hmm. away a bit and scribbling a bit more and you have that, it feels a hell of a lot more love that went into it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. As you can see you can you can see the creases and the cracks and I do really like that about it because you can see how it's how it's aging a bit. Yeah, I, I like I did like that. I thought it looked good in that sense. What I didn't really like but I, I guess it was the story. It was so lackadaisy. I felt like it was it was set in England by what I felt like was by a bunch of people who had no idea what medieval England would have been like. Mm. Oh, it has castles. Let's give some castles. Let's oh. do this. Let's do this. Then let's chuck a load of fireflies everywhere. Last time I checked, <laughs> we don't have fireflies. They wouldn't have been floating around looking all nice. Those foxes would have been eaten to death by midges in that forest. <laughs> okay? That's what they needed. Annoying little flies pissing everybody off. Then there was balloons in a medieval thing. All the kids had balloons and you're just like, and helium. Mm. I'm not saying, right, I am not saying that The Little Mermaid is like factually correct for the time that it was in, (laughs) all right? But at least there was Niwon wandering around with, I can't say mobile phone because it was made in like 1979. I don't know. She didn't have a TV. You know what I mean? There wasn't anything modern about it. Yeah. And when you look at, you have you have the Little Mermaid, you have Cinderella, you have um, all these other ones like like Lion King. Yeah. God, even even the Princess and the Frog. There isn't anything that's in those films that wasn't of the time. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Um, like I think out of those, yeah, Princess uh, Princess Tiana's film. Um, the Princess and the Frog is probably the most modern. But there wasn't anything our modern in it. There wasn't any mobile phones or anything like that because it's set in like the 20, 20s, 20s or 30s. And so it's, everything is accurate for that time. And I just found, I found it really jarring, a lot of things. And I don't, I wouldn't have noticed it back when I was little. But now I was just like, I didn't feel like there was as much care put into where it was set and finding out where it was set compared to how Disney then went on to do other films. And I think that maybe is why, because they wanted to do a different film and they thought, okay, we can just sort of hodgepodge something together. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I do I do enjoy it. And again, one of the reasons why I do enjoy it is, even though, yes, some of the voices aren't English, each one of them is sort of distinguishable from the other. Oh, yeah. And it makes it a joy to watch. I mean, for example, I mean, Brian Bedford is Robin Hood. Um, but for me, the big one is um, Peter Ustinov as Prince John. What he brings to that character in the fact that he seems to really have mummy issues and things like that, it, it is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it sort of breathes life into it. Here's a question. Do you think that... For a child's film, how much of a plot is about tax? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a lot about tax. I remember watching this as a child and I didn't mm. like it. Mm. I didn't like it because of the lack of decent female characters, which, you know, could be very stereotypical for me to be saying that. But when I'm little, I'm looking for something mm. 
any character for me to be like, I want to play a game and I'm going to be that character. Yeah. Made Marion all the way through. like, oh, help me, Robin Hood. Help me. Do you know what, love? Get off your ass. And you could have left that castle ages ago. Yeah, I mean, no Disney film is going to pass the Bechdel test. Oh, no, of course not. But, but there, there is limits to it. At least in, like, the other Disney films, the the guys are always strong and brave. Hmm. But in this, the girls just didn't do it. The most interesting female character was the chicken. Yeah. She was the most interesting female character, and, and that was it. But she was just played up like a complete joke. Yes. The entire time. And I mean, for me, it came at, a, at an interesting time, really, because... I mean, 1973 it was made, but I think Disney died in 66, and mm-hmm. this is one of the sort of the first major films that came out after that. So, where he's been sort of like the creative lead on so much that it was a second era of the films. Yeah. And it was going into a bit more of a darker territory because, I mean, look at The Jungle Book. The Jungle Book is, even for a child's film, it's really dark. And not only that, you saw maybe again with the rush the rush job that this film might have been is King sorry, King John Little John is basically blue yeah it's um, just a different colour and his is kind of like the snake in Jungle Book Khan so, Khan no. yeah Khan no Shea Khan's the tiger yes I'm saying yeah um, I can't remember what the do the, I can't remember what the the snake's called but so you've got those sort of stereotypes being repeated yeah but again this is sort of one of they were only about maybe 10 years into the Xenographs because they were trying to save money mm-hmm. because of the failure of... I mean, even though it's considered a classic now, Sleeping Beauty was a commercial failure. Oh, God, it was boring and it was, as hell. It, and it was, leave, it was... I mean, Disney were losing money and that's why they moved over this different style was because animated the Disney films back in the day was expensive because when mm-hmm. you think they used to paint every single cell of film and back... Then it was, I mean, it was 12 frames a second, but how many seconds in a minute? How many minutes in, in an hour? Mm-hmm. It was so much work and so expensive that this sort of cut down the costs and meant that they could not just churn it out quicker, but they could make a bit more, they could make more films for less money. Yeah. And you can which see... Which I understand. Which you, which you can see why they would do it, but again, and I'm not, this is still, I think, a decent Disney movie, mm-hmm. but when I'm looking at it against... Again, those 90s movies, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, um, Toy Story, even The Hunchback and Notre Dame and stuff like that. Hercules. I, loved, I, I love Hercules. Love that film. I mean, it's, it's, it's so it, good. It, I don't think it really stands up to, to, to that no, not at all. era of Disney. Um, I also want to say, I always thought that Friar Tuck was a bear. Yeah, it's not just it's black, badgers are black and white, aren't they? Yeah, so, it was a badger made by somebody who'd never seen what a badger looks like. Yeah, it's sort the of more of a mole. Bit, yeah, that was just it. Oh, oh, I didn't think it would be a mole when I was little mm. because he was so big compared to everybody Maybe. else. The only bit was he had like little tufts of white, but he was definitely not a badger. We have plenty of badgers up here. I have seen them. He's not a badger. <laughs> But that, this is the only one of the, that style that I can think of. To me, it stands out with that kind of the style of how it's drawn and how it's made. And in that, it makes it a memorable film for me. It, it's just not one that... If I never see it again, meh. Yeah. Fine. If you told me I can never watch Little Mermaid again, I'll be a bit good. No, no, I understand that. I mean, it's one by... 
mean, I always remember I have a, a fond memory of it because I can remember watching it on, I think it was on a holiday and when we were really young and it might have been like a rain day when we were in Spain and it might have been, what, maybe nine, ten at the time. So you watch something and you see something and it, it sort of sticks with you. And it had always always stuck with me, but so again, watching, it's, it's not really fit for... A modern audience because no. it, it just doesn't have that zip that will keep a kid entertained. I mean, to be honest, it'd be interesting to see if any kid people with kids out there have sat them down to watch this film. Yeah, I'd um, like to know how, how long, if they were interested or how long they managed to sit for compared to not even the new Pixar films, yeah. but just even just like a more modern one. Um, well, here's a question because I know we briefly broached on this about how you haven't seen most Disney films since they came out. Pretty much. And we kind of discussed, is this because you're a guy? And I think some of it, I mean, especially sort of The Little Mermaid is, and I think a lot of, especially animated films, comes with a mighty side of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Of watching it as a child and seeing the sort of somebody that you can relate to. Whereas, especially with the princess um, films, a young boy, and again, that is talking about masculinity and talking about how Mm -hmm. people raise boys and how people say, oh, don't do that, it's girl stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do love Beauty and the Beast, but I came to Beauty and the Beast probably really again in my 20s, because then you can really appreciate... The, the art that went into it. And again, Beauty yeah. and the Beast is a really quick film, but that does stick with you. But I think that's it as well. Whenever you talk about these films, you don't go, oh, I really like this character. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, I really like this song. I really like this. You always look at it at a very, not in a bad way, uh, but a in, clinical in, in way. A, in a technical way, yeah. Yeah, whereas because you don't have that same connection, mm. which I think... To me, it's it's a little bit sad because they're, they're kids' films. They're films that you enjoyed as a child and you have memories of watching and going to go see. So whenever I watch them, it takes me back to mm-hmm. those feelings of being a child, whereas you're like, oh, they did it this way and they filmed it this way and this is the style and then that's how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is it because you didn't have... You were... You didn't... Society didn't maybe let you feel like you could watch a Disney princess film in when you were in your teens. Or? I mean, maybe a Disney princess film, but I do have those sort of nostalgia films. But there were films like E.T. and The Goonies and um, other Spielberg films. I mean, the reason why I'm so into films is because of Jurassic Park. Um, watching that the first time in 1993 in the cinemas. I mean, it's those are my nostalgia films. But they're a lot older than like, like you. You're you're an older kid. Yeah. Compared to, like to me, this is a really big nostalgia film. Mm. This film came out when I was two, two and a bit. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching it from a very very young age. I remember watching The Lion King from a very very young age and watching it over and over and over again and. I mean, I mean, The Lion King was a big one, but like, The Lion King came out, I mean, it was after Jurassic Park. I was nine when The Lion King came out. That was a massive, massive movie. You were nine? Were you 1995. Nine? 1996, I was born. No, I just oh, no, thinking... no, The Lion King was 94, wasn't it? I was going to so say, because la- when The Lion King came out, towards the end of it, it was still out on my birthday, and that was the 
first film I was allowed to go see with my friend by myself. I say by myself. My parents had obviously either had somebody watching over us or like knew somebody. So it look, we felt like we were alone, but we weren't alone in oh, the so cinema. You, you would be like six? Yeah. But we weren't like alone in the cinema. Yeah. We just got to sit by ourselves and then we got to like talk about it and it felt like a big grown up thing. We'd all seen The Lion King before, but it was the fact is that we could go and this was us being grown up and we could go to the cinema by ourselves. Air quotation marks because we weren't really by ourselves, but we felt like we were. Do you remember the first film that, I mean, it was me and my brother actually, the first one we went to see without our parents? What? Free Willy 2. <laughs> That, that classic of the, the of the genre. <laughs> At least mine actually was a classic. <laughs> I don't know the film that I actually went to go see very, very first by myself. Um, I, I remember going to the cinema to see Button Moon, which was a, a British cartoon, kind of. Not really a cartoon. I don't even know it what Button like a, Moon is. It was like puppets, really. Um, but my, my first cinema experience I remember is Jurassic Park. And so I was seven, but I mean, I must have watched Disney films when I was a child, but maybe it was stuff like The Rescuers or An American I Tale. I The Rescuers. Or The Sword of the Storm, but like these are the sort of films that came out, again, even before Robin Hood. They were the 70s, 60s, watching Snow White and Seven Dwarfs because they used to be on at Christmas or at mm-hmm. Easter or things like that. So you used to catch them on TV and record them, so you used to have your copy of it. Yeah, on your tape. Yeah. Long player, always. <laughs> Long play day. Oh, no, see, to me, Disney is, was, is always my early memories of film. Mm. It's always Disney. I think for a lot of people, it is Disney is the early films that we remember. And that's why it's such a big, like, ornaments and everything. Huge amount of stuff. Literally every single film has got something for it. Yeah. And, and it's crazy to see. And I look, I mean, I look at sort of even the modern ones. Like you look at Robin Hood, which is obviously an all-animal cast. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Zootropolis, which I still think is one of the best kid films. And I mean, I mean, not even the modern age, but ever. Because what that deals with for a child's film is baffling in a way because oh, yeah. it has so many undertones and it has so much like sort of a theme going through it um, but it's also a lovely story that's animated beautifully still don't trust foxes <laughs> don't trust them well they are sly and they are foxes although I do love Fantastic Mr Fox so uh, don't <laughs> don't trust the foxes right do we have anything else no but I like Disney we should watch more Disney. We could do. We, we can watch more Disney. We can maybe do a live action one, not a live action remake, but sort of a, a Disney. I can't think of one that's live action. I don't want the keeps them coming to my head. Oh no! At first, for some reason, it was Herbie. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. I just remember Lindsay Lohan being in that. Um, but we, we, we could tackle Disney again. I mean, it's a massive vat. I mean, they've been going for almost a hundred years now. So yeah, we can definitely tap this. Um, keg once more. We could do a couple. We could be like, what's the worst Disney film? Yeah. Because there is some right bloopers in there. Oh, there is. There's Absolutely. some really bad ones. 
So, yeah, I think that sort of brings to an end another episode, really. Yeah. So, as always, um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help us out, please. Rate and review, five stars if you don't mind. You can catch us on Twitter on HFM Podcast. You can catch us on Instagram. Which is HFHM underscore podcast, which I look after. Yes. So... I get a good meme in there every now and then. <laughs> See my amazing canvas skills when I'm putting out the episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you can email us at hfhmpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah. please do get in touch. Um, but I think that puts a nice little ribbon on episode four. It's been a nice, easy one. <laughs> it's been a short one, to be honest, because if the films were like so damn easy to watch, you can watch two films within three hours. I do like that. Yeah, see? We need to have hard film, hard film, easy film. (laughs) That's the pattern that we need to stick to. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.